Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We explore everyday stories, dive into experiences from real folks, and highlight transformation, grit, witness stubbornness through the human experience with a healthy dose of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. Hi, and I want to welcome Dr. Matisa Wilbin to the show, and I'm going to let her tell us all about how she got to this story of talking about grief. Welcome, Matisa. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be with you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to, to just chat with you today. Um, so how did I get to this, this conversation around grief? Well, I've had a lot of um, death in my family. I'll start there. The most, probably most seminal um, in this journey was in 2017 when my mother passed away from breast cancer. And even though my mother-in-law had passed away, brother-in-law, several family members, it was that particular event that stopped me in my tracks. Um, my mother was my closest friend. And not only that, we we lived in different states. I was in Kentucky. She was in Georgia at the time. Um she helped me. I went through the journey with her during her last month. So I left my teaching position, my husband, my two young children. And I actually went to Georgia to live with her and take care of her for a number of months leading up to her transition. And so that experience being with her um, through those moments, but then also in that final moment really just shifted a lot for me family members passed in between that time. But then um, a year or so ago, my baby brother passed away unexpectedly. Um, and so when you're dealing with loss, you realize that grief, of, of course, is a part of it. But what I realized, particularly with my mother, but then also with my brother, is that um, some people don't really learn how to deal with it. We have a really interesting relationship with grief. Even we either we don't want to do it at all or we live in it and we're, we grieve for the rest of our lives. Uh, at least that that was my experience. And so I really wanted to understand, I'm a sociologist, um, and so I, not only did I have this personal experience, but I really wanted to sort of understand what folks go through. I wanted to understand my own journey. And that's what kind of got me thinking about this, talking about this, and what led to the TED Talk. Yeah, and so, folks, she has an amazing TED Talk. Uh, I listen to it. And every I started crying. <laughs> every time I listened to it, it was just so it just struck me <clears throat> straight into the heart. And, and um, some of the topics that she goes into is understanding um, and how you have this isolation that happens. Mm -hmm. and, and then she talks um, about this isolation and insulation mm -hmm. and how this concept of this become have it, you know, having the story of grief can impact you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 um, you know, when I was thinking about my own journey, particularly for my mom and everybody's personality is different, right? So for my personality, I am an introvert. I do sort of take, you know, bring things to the ch- close to the chest and kind of try to deal with it on my own, even though I have an amazing network. And what I realized was initially um, I was really isolating myself. I can remember being, um, you know, in groups, crowds and groups of people and everybody thinking that I was okay, but inside I was just heartbroken and, and shattered as you can imagine. And what I decided to do was to kind of shift that from, from allowing myself to be isolated to understanding that, you know, once I'm, once I'm there, I can either choose to just hold on to that sadness and hurt and pain or I could use that time to really sit with my emotions. And that's what I ultimately decided to do. I can remember times when, and I, I often tell this story, I don't think I've talked about in the TED Talk, but I had two young children at the time. And I can remember, you know, I'm a professor and I'm a speaker and I would go out and I would speak and do all the things that I needed to do. But then I would come home and I'd just be in the bed, you know, shades drawn kids wanting, of course, to play and talk and all of that. My husband would keep them, keep them away just to give me time. And I realized in that moment that I wasn't truly living, that I was allowing my mom's passing to interrupt life for me. And for me, that wasn't a healthy way to deal with grief. And it wasn't that I didn't want to grieve, but I had to make the decision to grieve. So what that meant for me was look at my emotions. Okay, how do I feel right now? I feel sad. I feel frustrated. I'm angry that she's gone and that's okay. Right. I felt all of the feels. I felt everything that came to me. But then what that did was it opened me up to be able to bring other people into that with me. So I didn't try to shoulder it by myself. I could talk to my husband and say, Oh, I'm really, you know, I'm I'm really sad today. Um, and, And he could to the best of his ability sort of help me, as I was dealing with that. So that, that insulation was an important factor in my grieving process, but I allowed myself to really sit with those emotions. Yeah. So you gave it a voice and you, uh, right. And um, leaning into communication and your, your circle, your social circle, um, finding communication within that group, whatever your group is, uh, it sounds like that must be part of this way of walking through grief. I, I hate that word. I don't want to say hate, but I, I I don't really like that word where people say, oh, I'm doing the work. I'm grief, grief, grief work. Um, I don't think it, it's work. I think it's just um, a space that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, yeah. No, I agree. When you said that, the thing that's interesting to me, I remember there was a point in life and I was like, I want to do the work. I want to do the work. But I'm like, what does that mean? What does it mean to do the work? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do we go out and uh, we we do these things? We check these things off. You know, that's kind of like that, that whole, um, you know, the, um, the stages of grief, which is, which was actually created for, I think it was for, wasn't it for hospice patients? On people how who to, are actually dying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really for the living. <laughs> it's for the people who, you know, bless, you know, they're, they're in the, they're, they're on their, it's a, 
the process of letting go and that sort of thing. But um, if you're living and you're alive and you're in this space of overwhelming pain and so many people, they, they go out there and they, they get busy. I'm going to go do this stuff. I'm going to distract. I'm going to numb. I'm going to, um, and then you find yourself, that's how you get into that complicated grief space. Uh, you know, um, I, I don't know if I like the word processing either, because <laughs> that, that still that still kind of sounds like work. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but it's it's definitely a space. And I, I think that I don't know if you mentioned this in your in your talk, but um I think that grief is something that it's all gonna hit us at some point in our lives. Um, you know, I, I don't think we I guess it just depends on the, your own uh, human experience, whether you experience it when you're young. But I know for me, I didn't, you know, I didn't really, it didn't really hit me as a thing in my life until, um, you know, maybe in grade school and, and maybe middle school and then, you know, a grandparent died and that sort of thing. And then you start experiencing it, but um, it it's a human thing for sure. And um, it's a space and how we communicate and and reach out to others i think that's part of it too Um, but i think finding no i love that i think that's why we really need to um have more conversations around it so that it's a natural it's a natural conversation because you're right it's gonna we're all gonna experience it and i know at some point we'll we'll talk about this but grief isn't just relegated to losing a loved one Um, although that's a big part of it. So how we deal with it, how we talk about it. I I grew up in a family where my mother was a single parent. She had been divorced, um, really strong. And so, you know, that whole strong image of the mother doing it all. And, and there were lots that I pulled from that, that was really, um, important to me in in my life and my own ambition and to my work ethic. But to be honest, I wish I had have seen some of her, her vulnerability. I wish I'd have seen her in that space so that I would have language, so that I would know, you know, what I'm dealing with and sort of. And so I've tried with my with with our children <clears throat> not to overwhelm them, of course, but to let them know, you know, mom is sad today and this is why. I'll, I'll talk to my daughter or my son. You know, I'm really not. And sometimes you can't even put a, a a pinpoint, like it feels just like a bad day, but I know if I reflect back, it's a moment. I'm, I'm dealing with the fact that my mom isn't here or that my brother died last year, but I allow them to try to come into that just a little bit so that they know it's okay to talk about it. And that moms and dads do experience this kind of um, emotion related to the, to the, um, the loss of a loved one. So I'm with, I agree with you 100%. It's a space it's a, it's a natural space that we need to allow ourselves to be in when we go through, um, you know, these situations. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, especially for children. I think it's, I think good parenting comes in with, uh, you know, being vulnerable, being yourself, being just being a human, like, I, I I don't know if it's like a new trend. Um, I see moms and they they want to be perfect. You know, they they don't want to let their kids see the rawness of just being a human. I'm having a bad day. <laughs> I'm not dealing with this thing that ever I'm dealing with. I'm a vulnerable person. You know, I love I absolutely love 
uh, Brene Brown. I'm a big follower of her, hers, and um, I'm listening to one of her audiobooks right now, greatly. And um, that woman, I mean, every time I listen to her, I just get so inspired. Um, do, do you like her work? <laughs> I love her work. Yes, I love her oh. work. And not only is she a Southern gem, because um, my family's all from Texas, so I kind of have that little, <laughs> a little bit of, I got a little bit of the South in me, even though I live in Colorado. You can't take you can't take that out of your soul, but um, so I just love listening to her voice. But um, she her message and um, her genuineness and and the work that she's done for shame and vulnerability and it's just if if you get if you only had one book to read, you know that would be a good one to just absorb. <laughs> It's just, it's so beautiful. She's such a beautiful person, but um, mm. yeah. So um, that th- that part, yeah. You've got this um, voice into grief. And then one of the other tools that you talk about, and I love this one, and I do this a lot too, is reframing, reframing your experience of grief. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how that can be helpful. Absolutely. No, I think it's, I think it's really important, you know, and I think about, again, grief being natural, being part of our, our, the lifespan and life cycle. Um, when we can reframe the way we think about what we're going through, I give this example in the TED talk um, of the fact that when my mother um, was in the last stages of, of her life, and she loved sunsets. She loved sunrises. And we would go out and she would just look at them. And I don't know that she knew it was her last few months, but I just remember her looking at them and she'd always love them, but she would just try to soak in as if they were life itself, right? I'm soaking in every moment, every color. And we would talk about them And so when she passed away, of course, those same sunsets and sunrises at first were really sad for me because it reminded me that she was no longer here. But then as I started reframing and thinking, but my mom saw these sunsets and we had these amazing conversations and I have these amazing memories. Then I started to, to reframe and think, okay, what is the good in this? This was something special for us. This was something that we did together. I talk about, um, you know, the fact that um, my daughter and, and, you know, there was another aspect of this bridging that sort of those generations. But, but as I look at grief and as I look at my experiences, if I could reframe them, I talk about um, the fact that, again, loss of identity. I, I experienced a number of different things, but no matter the loss in my life, if I could look at what is the good, what is the, what is this grief teaching me? Or how can I become better? How can I see things from a different perspective? Um, lastly, I'll tell you this, even with this idea of reframing, that because of my mom's passing, and she was relatively young, she was 62, relatively young, I try my best to enjoy every day, right? Even if I'm grieving, even if I'm sad, even if I'm having a moment, I'll allow myself to have that moment, but then I'll, I'll, I'll shift my thinking to think, okay, it's okay. I'm sad. I'm, I'm upset, but thank, 
thank God that I have this opportunity now with my own children. How can I make sure that I'm living my life to the fullest so that there's not a balance because I don't think that's fair. You know, it's not take there's good and then there's bad, even though we know that's true. But if, if I'm feeling sad today, what can I do to experience some gratitude? What can I do to offer a little bit of joy even in the midst of this, you know, this challenging moment, this space that I'm in. And so for me, that's the reframing that I'm, I'm realizing, yes, in the present that there is this challenge, but also how can I find the good in this? And and for me, that was everything that shifted my entire life. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was I I was losing it. Let's let me close. Let me. Okay, can we just back up? <laughs> we lost some audio there, guys. But uh, let's. Uh, so anyway, you were talking about reframing, um, and I yeah. lost you there for a minute. Technology. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is perfect. So in psychology, there is this concept of, of reframing. It's, it's reshaping or rethinking about an event that might be one that's negative or, you know, where there's loss involved. And it's, re, you know, thinking about how you can um, repurpose it or think about it from another perspective so that now you're learning lessons or you, that you can see the good. And so I found myself in the middle of loss and I've had various kinds of loss. I've had compounded loss and grief, but when I've been able to reshape or reframe rather my thinking to say, okay, what's the good that can come out of this? Not that I'm negating the experience of grief because I'm really clear on that message. We need to experience those emotions. We need to sit there. We need to allow that space so that we can sort of, of, of deal with what it is that we're going through. But at the same time, we can reframe and see the good. So, you know, I can see the good in the loss of friendships that I've had because it opened up the space for me to invite new friends in, maybe for a new season or being a part of a new community. Um, I can see, you know, times when I would have just really sadness around my mom's passing, but her memories, you know, being able to take those things and, and, and holding them close to me. So if I can reframe it, Again, it doesn't mean that I'm not experiencing it, but I also can get the good out of it. This whole concept of gratitude, we talked about Brene Brown earlier and vulnerability and shame and all of that. I think there is such um, a huge, huge gift when we understand the importance of gratitude. For me, the reframing came when I became grateful for what I did experience with my mom rather than just living in the moment that she passed. That was huge. Yeah, I I love this concept of gratitude and it's something that I've practiced for a while now. Um I I do the uh first thing when you wake up, you think of three things that you're grateful for. It's been, it's been such a game changer uh in my life and kind of step out of that woe is me, I'm such a victim um mentality, uh, you know, look what, what look what has happened to me and it uh, having a even a tiny little gratitude practice can be so transforming to look at these gifts that I have been given and how I get to live my life when I acknowledge them and 
just let them be. So yeah, I, I love that you're, that you're focused on gratitude and um, that's such, it seems like it, it's almost like the juice of, of, of wading through some of the, the grief uh, space that you can be in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. When I was going, when I was, um, and I talk about this in the TED talk, <clears throat> when I was dealing with my mom, so literally I'm in the, she was in hospice for the last week of her life. And I'm literally sitting in the hospital room with her knowing that, you know, um, she's going to transpire transition. And I think, you know, I need to write my, I need to write her obituary. Like I need to, like I needed to do something to keep my mind going and to feel like I was being helpful and being useful. And, um, and so there were times that I would, um, you know, just kind of keep myself busy in that way. But then there were other times that I would just turn on music. She loved gospel music and I would turn on gospel music and I would just kind of just be there, just be present. And it's hard now that I'm thinking back to that experience and it's almost as if it were yesterday, but I have such gratitude, such gratitude, even though that was the hardest moment of my life, I have such gratitude that my husband and I could come to the conclusion that I could just leave. I have such gratitude for my provost who said, take all the time that you need. And they got another professor in you know, so that for for the rest of the semester, I'm, I have such gratitude for our you know um, network at home who helped my husband with our two children while I was gone. Like such profound gratitude, and I'm I say that to say, even though like again, there were times when my mom passed away, I felt like I could not breathe. All around me were just moments, and I wouldn't have missed that last moment with her for anything. And I just feel grateful. And so that lifts me in those, you know, even in those moments when grief comes still today, that gratitude absolutely lifts me and fills me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to touch on something and maybe you can shed some light on it. So I think there's, there's this thought out there, which I think is a little false that somehow you're going to do this grief work and then you're going to get to this new place and grief won't be there anymore. Like it's some kind of a piece of baggage that you just want to put in a box, put a nice little bow on it, put it on a shelf and move on. And I think that can be really not, it, it can be pretty detrimental to the, the experience that you're having and maybe reframing can kind of work with this, but um, you mentioned something about um, how grief can be, you know, not only is it part of your story, but it can also be your friend and mm-hmm. how gratitude is a powerful friend. And then you also say every, every loss is unique. And I think that there's this, so I, roundabout way, I'm thinking that this, there's this concept that you're going to move past grief. Mm-hmm. But I I challenge that it's just a part of who we are as a human experience that we all have it, mm-hmm. and if we kind of reframe the way we think about it, feel about it, and welcome it into our lives, that it can be this um, this little bit of energy that can 
um, at, at different points in our life as we experience it, that it can yeah. propel us in new ways, that it can challenge us if we accept it. Yeah. And that if we don't go down that path of complication, the, 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 that term complicated grief, you know, if we can find a new way of experiencing it so that we don't go down that complicated way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just kind of wondering that. if, yeah, if you mm-hmm. had any thoughts about that. No, hundred percent. There's so much in, in what you said um, that I think, I think is important because, you know, a lot of people equate grief only to sadness, right? I'm grieving and therefore I have to be sad for the rest of my life. I don't, I am not a proponent that we have to be sad for the rest of our life. And in fact, I do believe that, that the grieving process can bring some semblance of, you know, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to make this sort of unidimensional. So some semblance of healing, right? I miss my mom terribly. I have moments now when I might see something that triggers me and I can be sad for, for an evening and recognize that, Oh, I'm miss, I'm really missing my mom, but I live a life full of joy. I, I, I do live a life full of, um, hope for the future. Right. Even though there literally are moments where I think, dang, my mom is not here. Like it's, it's almost like she just passed away. Like I can't believe that I'm living my life and, you know, having these experiences and I can't like a, a month ago, I almost picked up the phone to call her like three times and she's been gone since 2017. So there certainly are moments of sadness and all of those things that are, you know, they talk about grief being in waves but I think you're right. We have to understand that like some of these other big concepts, grief is just a part of the human experience. I don't want I don't want to suggest that again that we have to live in sadness, but we do have to understand that grief is a part of life. It's a part of love and it's a part of loss. You know, I heard somebody say that grief is actually, I think I start my Ted talk by saying that, that grief is the price you pay for love. Um, Or I think I talk about love not costing a thing, but the reality is um, if we love and we lose, there's going to be grief. And, And to the point that you made earlier, if I can get that in my mind, then when it happens, it doesn't catch me by surprise. Or I know that I do have tools that I'm equipped with to be able to sort of, you know, deal with it and, and sit in that space. Um, <clears throat> I think we we do ourselves a disservice when we assume that, well, to, on two extremes, we do ourselves a disservice when we think we can't ever come out of grief or that we have to live a sad life because I don't, I don't think that's true. But I also think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't recognize, identify those emotions and deal with them. So the perfect case scenario, if there is one, is that we realize we're human. Grief is a human experience. When we experience loss to recognize and be aware, like I'm grieving right now, and then just allow ourselves to be, just be. I wake up, I'm sad, I'm being. I journal, I, I do, you know, I do the gratitude um, journal. Um, I play with my kids. I talk to my husband and I just be. And then when I, I find myself that in three days, in four days, in five days, I feel a little better, you know, in a week, I feel a little better. The wave might come again. I deal with it again. But if I can just be, then I I, I believe 
um, will get to that place, right? It's almost like our body. This is the last thing I'll say. They talk about our body being a natural healer and that if you just allow yourself to be once you're wounded, that you'll find that your body is one of the best healers of itself. I, even though I'm, I have a strong faith um, as well, I do believe that if we can just be, that that healing is going to start to come. Sorry. My internet connection. Oh, no. When, when you were, I was like looking at the camera, I'm like, oh, I must be saying something really good because she is not moving at all. And you were frozen. Oh, it's frozen again. Okay, this is a marker. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, there we go. Can you see me? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, thanks. I, I really, uh, I think that's such a, powerful way to look at that. Um, now you have a women's leadership networking, uh, program and, uh, it's, it's called disrupt hers. Yes. It's disrupt her university. Yeah. So, um, I'm a sociologist by training, but the heart of what I do really is centered around, um, around equity and around fairness and making sure that, all voices are heard and, and amplified. And what I found over the course of my career, and this is, you know, going around to how I created that network, I found myself as a woman and, and in a lot of different spaces, just having to grapple with things that I wish I had other people to sort of help me deal with, right? I found myself in spaces where I um, had imposter syndrome. You know, we hear about this. I needed to have more self-confidence. And and that was early in life. I was in leadership positions and doing all of these various things. And so I decided to create what I call the Disrupt Her University to help um, empower women in particular um, to have a voice and to, and to learn to deal with the things that I kind of had to learn on the job, you know, on the job training. It's called disrupt her because to disrupt is to interrupt the status quo. And I believe that we all can be disruptors, but particularly for disrupt hers, that as women, we um, sometimes need to kind of disrupt what's happening to figure out not only where we fit, but how to create a space that's more inclusive so that our daughters don't have to go through the same thing so that our daughters, you know, have a voice and, and know um, how powerful that they are. So it's a network of women across all sectors, um, ages 18 and up. And the, the goal really is to educate, educate, equip and empower women um, to be our best selves. That's really the heart of it. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm that that seems like a really great space to be in um, if you're struggling with anything to find. I think part, part of the problem as women is uh, we don't, you know, we get so busy in the day-to-day -day life. We don't stop and think, oh yeah, I have a community. Um, right. I have people that I can lean on and, right. and that I can lean into. And right. sometimes I think um, depending on where you're at, um, you know, thank goodness we have like some of this virtual stuff uh, where we can find 
you know, a social connection with people, uh-huh. um, especially if you live in, maybe you're in a rural area and you don't have, um, you know, in person, in real life, um, communities that you can reach out to. So, um, I think it's, it's good to have these spaces where you can find, find your people. Um, Absolutely. Um, can I yeah. add Monica that it's, um, the thing that I love about it is there are women like you suggest who, you know, maybe are younger or maybe even older and they haven't found their voice and they need that. They need to find their tribe, but there are also women who have come through it, right. Who are on the other side of it and they have, expertise to offer. And so that's the thing that I love about it, that it really is a synergy of, you know, older and younger and people um, in business and people in education um, who can really just, like you said, be a community. I know I was a first generation college student. My mom was became a nurse, worked her way through nursing school while she was a full-time mom. Um, and all of that was amazing, but there were just some paths that I had never never crossed. I didn't know anybody who had crossed them. And so even though I had some mentors, I really wish that I'd had have had a community um, like the one that I'm building um, of women that I could just say, oh, what is going on here? Um, and, um, and so that's why it's been really, really important. Yeah, I think that's important that you mentioned um, that you've got people from all different backgrounds and ages, too, because that's something that that I always try to uh, sometimes I work with some younger people. And I think younger people now are a little bit more accepting of like looking at the viewpoints of older people. But as as we age, boy, do we have some we have deep pockets of wisdom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we just want to, we just want to give it. <laughs> they don't always want to listen to us, <laughs> but, uh, but we do have that advantage of having um, li- more lived experiences. We've been, mm-hmm. we've been knocked around a little bit. right? And so we've learned a little bit more about how to roll with it. And we've gotten some skills and that's so good when we can give that to uh, younger people. Um, I think we all need that. And and also, you know, I think it's interesting um, being I'm in my, you know, mid 50s. And I think it's really cool. I learn a lot of things from younger people, too. Uh, Not only from my kids, of course, they're always uh, keeping me in line, which is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, mom, don't do that that way. Uh, (laughs) Mom, you're embarrassing me. I love that one. (laughs) That's just part of it, right? Well, we got to doing that. That's we kind of like we kind of like embarrassing though. So <laughs> we kind of—I don't think they know that we know that we're doing it on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, but I do learn from younger people as well, and I think it's—I think it's really cool when you can have that community uh-huh. of older people and older older people, and then younger people, and then different, yeah, like diverse people from different work backgrounds and different uh, upbringings and different cultures and different layers of society. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that I'm sure that came as a part of your training in sociology. And um, so I, I think, I think that's really unique and special that you can, that you've kind of created this and you can offer it. And um, yeah, so that, that's really interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then you also have um, a YouTube channel and, oh, I wanted to mention, um, so watching your, um, your TED talk, it's now at 
in, in just was it four months ago released? That's what it said. Um, yeah. Eight thousand views. And it was like eight point one. <laughs> and I think that is so great because think about, you know, I'm sure the experience of doing that was such a process and a in and in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but also the lives that you have touched, and I'm sure it will just grow over time. Yeah. You know, 8,000 people. That's so amazing. Uh, so it's such a great platform um, mm-hmm. to, to get new ideas. I love TEDx talks. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I thank you for saying that. I am, I'm blown away and I'm really grateful. Um, it's funny because I actually, when I, I knew I needed to do this, this good grief, I would talk to people and I've always wanted to do a TED talk, but this concept just compelled me. And um, I actually had applied for another TED talk because, you know, you can, you, you apply and they select you or not. It's, it's selective and all of that. So, and I didn't get, you know, they didn't accept it. Right. Because maybe it didn't fit because all of the um, TED talks are topical. And so there are not number of criteria. So maybe grief wasn't their thing and all of that. But I just thought I got I have to get this out. It just was, you know, how there's something in you. You're just like, I've got to be able to share this. And so I was grateful to have the opportunity to, to share it. And thinking about this, our conversation about vulnerability, I thought, am I going to lay it out there? Like, am I going to really for the world lay bare? Like there's a point as, as folks watch this where I'm literally about to tear up and I'm having to tell myself, don't, don't, don't break down, don't crack in this moment. But I wanted so much to share my heart because I felt like it just needed to get out there and I felt like it would help people. And I said all of that to say, there are so many people that I will never meet people who inbox me or email me or just say your Ted talk really helped me. And that is the best. That's the best thing that I could hear. Like that's the best compliment. Like it helped me. I was dealing with this loss. I lost a job. I lost a relationship. I lost a loved one. And hearing your Ted talk really helped me to move forward or to heal. There's nothing better than that for me. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's really great. And um I and I think it's good that you mentioned that, you know, grief can be not just loss through death, but it can be um you know, job loss. It can be the loss of and I think you even talk about the loss of your move and your you lost your identity. Yes. And that that can happen to us throughout life. It you know, mm-hmm. I think those kind of little grief things that happen in our life can be so pervasive and so frequent that if we don't know how to um, accept it and be in that space and, and do the things that we need to do to, to have it be a part of our life and to manage it, mm-hmm. um, that, that it can be, you know, it can be cumulative and then you can get down into this in the later parts of your life. And you've got so much grief that you're not really like, I don't know what to do with this stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, a lot job loss and um, transitions moves, um, you know, job loss is a big one and pet loss. Oh my goodness. Pet loss. It is so uh, that's like one of the big top. It is so bad. 
pet loss. I know I've, we had to put down three pets last year. It was a hard year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We have our, we have two things I want to say. First is, um, I, I think that's an important point to make the different kinds of loss, because I think some people are grieving and they just aren't aware that they are. That was a, that was a big thing for me. So when my mom passed away, she was in Georgia. I was in Kentucky. All of my siblings were in Georgia. So I did what everybody tells you not to do, which is my husband and I were like, let's pick up, you know, our, our family, let's move to Georgia because I felt like I just needed to be close to my, to my siblings. And that makes perfect sense. But I left the community. We had been in a place for 12 years. I left my job, all of that. Um, and I didn't realize that I was grieving, not just my mom's passing, but I was grieving all of that loss. And I say that to say, sometimes we're walking around in grief, but we think we're just angry or we think we're just, you know, uh, fill in the blank of, of the emotion. But if we could get to the heart of it and we could start to use these tools to sort of deal with it, then we'll, we, we can be better for it. And then it, the last thing I want to talk about was the pet loss. My family and I got um, a dog, our first pet um, in 2020. So of course during the pandemic. And when I tell you, I love this dog, <laughs> I love this dog. And I was the one who said, no dogs, no pet. And my daughter begged and begged and begged. <laughs> it was her birthday present. I that love that. Dog <laughs> my dog. <laughs> yes. Oh. And so I can't imagine, like in my mind, I think to myself, and I try not to go here, but what what is it going to be like? And I try to prepare myself, even though I know you can't, because what I don't want to do is have anything unresolved and then this pet die that I really love and it just become, you know, much bigger. So I just try to let myself be as I was talking about before, but I understand more now than ever how pet loss can just be devastating. It can really become complicated. Oh, it, it can. Um, it's for some people uh, because you know that it's a it's a member of your family if you've it, yeah. like especially if you've let's say you've gotten a puppy and you know you got it and you've been there with it its whole life which is what happened to my german shepherd he died of cancer and it happened oh. so fast and at the time i was dealing with um two sick animals i had one who had chronic asthma and then i had my german shepherd and he got cancer and he was the one that passed first Oh, wow. And here I was expecting it just can't, you know, I think so pet loss can be so unexpected mm-hmm. uh, sometimes and uh, it can just really be raw. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just want to uh, acknowledge that uh, for anyone who's listening. If you feel like you're in that space yes, and you feel like, oh, well, it's just a pet. That's that. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. that yeah. can be even more real sometimes than losing a family member. That's so true. just honor that space that you're in. If you're feeling the feels of, well, it was just my cat. I shouldn't, you know, if people are telling you, well, it's just a cat, get a new cat, move on. You know, like that's so, ah, uh, uh, that I, I have trouble with that. So just just, I just wanted to bring awareness to that. Thank you for mentioning that too, because uh, it can be really intense, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think it could be intense because people, well-meaning people on the outside who aren't sharing that space with you in the in the in the way that it should be honored 
Uh-huh. You know, they, they post something on Facebook, oh, the Rainbow Bridge and, you know, and that's great and everything. But, you know, call your friend, call your your sister or whatever. Call the person that lost that pet and ask them, how are you doing now a month later? Yes. How yeah. are you? Yes. Be and supportive. I'll tell you, oh, my goodness. We could talk about there's so many other <laughs> things we could talk about, even like right. how you deal with people who are experiencing loss, as you said, sometimes people can be sort of nonchalant or they can, or they can try to equate their own experience with yours. Even though I've, you know, done this Ted talk and I I do a number of things around grief. If somebody's lost their mom, I have a friend who just lost her mom. I don't say to her, I know exactly how you feel. I have no idea, no idea how she feels. You know, I don't know her relationship with her mom. I don't, I don't know any of that. So what I typically say is I have no words, I'm praying for you or, you know, try to emote in a way that lets them know that I'm present and I'm there, but I don't at all try to assume that I know what they're dealing with because every experience is unique. And I think that's true. As you said, with, with pets, I saw my dad cry for the first time when he had to put down his dog. And I didn't have a pet at the time. And I thought to myself, there must be something special in this relationship that this would be the time that I would see him, you know, and that dog meant so much to him, was there with him through, you know, so many things. So I love the word honor. I love that word and that concept, that idea that we can honor people in their space. And the best way to honor is to just be present. If you don't have the words, be present. You know, like you said, I often tell people what happens with grief. And again, I could talk about this all the time, so I'll stop here. Um, What happens often is um, we allow people to grieve or we give people permission to grieve until the casket closes. And then we assume, oh, you're supposed to be back to almost normal. Like you're going back to work and you're going back to whatever we only give people leave for a short period of time. Right. But if you're the person like me, who not only were you there up until the last breath of my mom and my brother was in the room for both of them, you're planning the funeral. You're making sure that all of the arrangements are done. You're doing all of that while you're grieving. And you're telling me the next week, you think I should be good. Honor where I am. Honor you know, what I've, what I've dealt with and and give folks time. That's the last thing I'll say. Yeah. I think, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, We could go, I mean, there's so many, I I hate to say I love grief, but I love grief. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it like, just to touch on what you were saying about the pets, like, I think that it's because it's, it's pure love. It's just love. And um, find and finding the honor of that relationship because it's a relationship. It is, you know, it's a it's a, it's a dependent animal that has been a part of our life for years and years and years. And at the end, we get to share that space of their transition, and it can become so. Um, it, it's it's it can be intense. And so, yeah, I just wanted to mention um, the pets and how if anyone is listening to this and they're thinking, you know, how could this help me in this space? So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's really great. 
Um, so in you, I, I just also wanted to mention you have a um, a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and you have uh, moments with Matisa, and yes. I've listened to a few of these. I love them. They're they're so cool. They're <clears throat> you know they're like a minute, five minutes long, and they are really uplifting. And I just wanted to touch on a couple of your little topics. And if anyone's interested, you can um, find them. We'll put the link in the show notes. But um, she has topics like um, overcoming rejection, wired to win, refresh and release, uh, run your best race, plug in. I liked plug in. I thought that one was really cool. Um, And prayer never loses. And so um, she's got this uh, free resource uh, on there um, to just get a little minute. (laughs) It's like a little micro boost (laughs) for your day. (laughs) So I thought that was really neat. You also have um, a program and I was wondering if you could mention about um, you've got a grief and gratitude journal. If you could just mention um, the program that you have Mm -hmm. and we're going to find you. Absolutely. So um, Grieving to Gratitude is a workshop that I do. Um, It's a four-week series um, where we just bring people together and we just share in the journey that that we have. I use some of the tools that I talk about in the TEDx. Um, We go into in-depth. You receive, um, uh, once you're in the community, you're part of a Facebook group. You have um, the Grieving to Gratitude journal. Again, I talk about this in the TEDx, but it's a journal where you know, you're, you're allowing that as the, cause the, the workshop is a writing workshop. So it's, it's grieving to gratitude, but it's learning to write and express those emotions. And so there are a number of exercises that we go through to help people kind of process or kind of deal with what they're dealing with. Um, and so um, the grieving to gratitude journal is a part of that where you learn how to express the grief, but then also learn how to express the gratitude so that we are doing some reframing as we're going through. It's been an amazing resource for the folks that's gone through it. And again, you're with like-minded folks who are, and a lot of them, not everybody is experiencing fresh loss that I've had people go through it who, you know, maybe lost somebody 10 years prior but they just really feel like they needed to go through this process with um, people who are going through, you know, similar journey. So, you know, if you're interested, if anybody's interested, you can go to my website, matisawilbin.com and you can get more information there. Great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And is there any other, any other projects that you have going on that um, that might be upcoming that, that you're working on? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm doing something. It's not really connected to grief. I'll just plug it very, very quickly on my Facebook page, um, Matisa Olinger Wilbin. I'm doing something that I call everyday equity. I told you, I think at the beginning when I talked about disrupt her, that I'm really, I feel like part of my purpose is to talk about um, how we deal with the least of these, right? The folks that are the most marginalized in society, those who are voiceless. I'm from Appalachia, little, little town in Kentucky called Hazard that probably nobody's heard of. Um, and I think about those folks in Eastern Kentucky that I left because I never I went to school and, and I've got family, amazing people there. I think about people like that. I think about people like um, the urban areas where my husband was a social worker for a number of years, those kids um, and adults who found themselves in situations where they didn't really have the resources, they didn't have the access. And so my heart really is for making sure that we all have the same opportunities. And so I'm doing something on my Facebook page every single Thursday evening at 8 p.m. that I call Everyday Equity. 
It is this idea that if we all have a lens of helping people, of creating opportunities, of making space for people every single day, it could be something as small as, you know, helping people with groceries at a grocery store, or it could be something big as, you know, making sure that you're looking at hiring practices on your job. There's a big span there, but I think we all have a part to play. So on Thursdays at eight o'clock, um, I'm going to be talking to experts, but also everyday people about how they help create equity in their lives, just sort of every day. So I'd love for po- folks to drop in. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you just want to hear the conversation. I'm going to be hosting it. I'm excited about it. It's new. It starts next week. Would love to have people join in if that's of interest to them. Wow. And so that's, that's a live you're doing it. It's a live on yes, Facebook. Alive. Okay. Yep. Awesome. And uh, so, yeah, if you, if we can put that link in the show notes also and get that information out. Um, I love cross promoting on Facebook it, as much as I hate Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it, it, every time I log on, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> But it is a good way to connect people, kind of like a central hub. Um, So, um, yeah. So everyone check that out. It sounds like a really um, a sense of community. It sounds really important. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Dr. Wilbin, for coming on. It's been such a uh, inspiring conversation, um, really heartfelt and um, I just want to say thank you for getting your your speech out and uh, sharing it with over 8,000 people. And I'm sure it will continue growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sure hope so. Thank you for having me. This has been really a pleasure, really has an easy conversation. And I know I hear your heart as well. And that makes that makes for a good conversation. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I sure enjoy doing this. Uh, Well, thank you, everyone. That wraps up for today. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I know, I know I sure did. Thanks for joining me today and listening to another amazing story. We have some great guests coming up for season two. The listeners have spoken and financial topics are on everyone's mind. Our guests featured will be on topics around finances, budgets, balancing family time, work and money, including side hustles, online marketing, and content creation. Stay tuned for some great guests coming up. We're also going to be featuring some special spooky sodes from time to time since I'm always on the hunt for stories behind strange and unusual experiences in our ever-expanding world of consciousness. I have an online program coming up. It's self-paced, so you can fit it into your own schedule. We're going to explore the three layers of healthy boundaries, grow intuition, and dive into making habits that stick. It's called Bold Boundaries, and I want you to jump on over to my website and get on the wait list if you're wondering what it's all about. It's an online printable workshop self-paced and super affordable. The way to find the waitlist is to head on over to my website at www.mountainenergywellnesscoaching.com and search for the bold boundaries tab. And right there, you can get your email and name on the contact form. Help this podcast grow by subscribing or following wherever you listen. It sure helps my efforts to grow and get these stories out there. 
And I'd love it if you could tell a friend about the show. If you'd like to be on the show and have a story you'd like to tell, reach out to me by sending an email to verbalecho at gmail.com. You can find any links or resources mentioned by me or my guests in the show notes below. Our music is Funk Beats by Equalix, and you can find them on Audio Jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon.